You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. Good morning, East Point Church. How are you guys? Good to be with you. Happy Mother's Day. One more time. Give it up for our moms. We love you. So good to gather, man. As I just, I woke up this morning and I'm just so impressed with the, the thought, we get to do this. We get to do this, man. Are you grateful for that? We get to gather here together. We get to come. I know very much so this morning that I have nothing to tell you that will change your life of my own accord. My thoughts, my opinions, my cultural commentary and thoughts about the, none of that is going to change your life. But I know that if we open up the word, that if we come together to hear what God has to say to us, that it will change our lives. This is not just a book. This is not just literature. This is the living and active word of God. And if you are hungry this morning to hear from the Lord, then you've come to the right spot. And so I'm going to invite you, go ahead and open up those Bibles. Mark chapter 10. We'll begin in verse 13 in just a moment. But first, one more time, just want to say how appreciative uh, we are for mothers who lay down their lives to pass on the faith. And mothers endure a lot. How many of you put your moms through the ringer? Yep, that's right. My mom, she blames every last gray hair on me. All of them. All of them. And our mothers, they sacrifice. They endure. They put others' needs before their own. And I think this morning, perhaps the biggest effort Perhaps the largest sacrifice, perhaps the greatest endeavor that moms subject themselves to on an almost daily basis are the questions. The questions. Mom, how many questions have you answered in your life, right? Just a few months ago, we were sitting there, my wife and I, and one of my sons was staring at us. Like staring, like intently at us. And me and my wife were like, what are you doing, buddy? And he goes, do you hear that? I'm not sure what. And he stares at us again. And he goes, how about now? Do you hear it now? We're like, we don't hear anything. He goes, do you hear my voice in my head? <laughs> That's a fair question, right? Children are curious. They want to understand how the world works. And so he's starting to hear his own voice in his head, as long as it's his voice. That's okay. But he's hearing his voice, and he goes, can you hear that too? How does the world work? Mom, where do babies come from? Moms, why can't I fly? I was just asked this last week. Why do I only have two eyes? Where can I get more? <laughs> it's, it's a loaded question, kid. How do you make grass? Who invented trees? Why can't I see my eyes? Mommy, when will you become old? You're like, in one more minute if you ask me another question. Mothers, it's the questions, right? See, today we're going to ask one more question. Today we're going to ask a question that every single mother in this room would be thrilled if they were asked by their child. This is a question that you dream of. This is a question that this, it's a softball. This is a question that Jesus himself poses. And the question is this, how do you enter the kingdom of God? Mommy, how do you inherit eternal life? 
Mommy, how do you join the family of God? Mommy, how am I supposed to respond to Jesus' invitation to come into the family? How do you enter the kingdom of God? So for the next few moments, we're going to ask this question, and Jesus is going to lay it down for us in a way that only Jesus can do, replete with object lessons, illustrations, and memorable words. Are you ready to hear how Jesus answers this question? You got your pens out? Because you know this question is coming, right? The question is coming. Pens out, Bibles at the ready, notebooks open. How do you enter the kingdom of God? And we read starting in verse 13. This is God's word for his church. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Lord, thank you for your word. Father, would you open up our hearts, open up our minds, open up our eyes as we open up your word. Speak to us, Lord. Show us Jesus. May we hear him and become more like him. And whatever we see, Father, by your spirit and grace, may we respond. Send us out of here differently, Lord, than when we came in. All to your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Amen. All right, so you know how we do it here at East Point. We're going to go back. Let's read a few verses and see what God says. All right, so this is how it begins. And they were bringing children to him, this is Jesus, that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. Pause there. First thing we see in our passage, the kingdom is of the highest importance, but it's never haughty. The kingdom is of the highest importance, but it's never haughty. We see here that Jesus is in town, and every time Jesus comes to town, there is a crowd that surrounds him. There are people that are flocking to Jesus because they want to be near him. They want to hear him. They want to have an encounter with Jesus. And so he's mobbed. But there's a certain demographic in the crowd this morning. There's a special type of person whose concern is not only for themselves. There's a special type of person in the crowd that when presented with an opportunity to come in contact with Jesus, their only thought is not I need to get there. Their thought is, what about my children? And these special people are called parents. Superheroes was also an acceptable response. We got parents here. And so the parents are in the crowd, and they are bringing children to Jesus. They wanted Jesus to touch their kids, to distribute a blessing, to pronounce a prayer over their kids. How many of you know how hard it is to get kids out of the house? Come on, how many of your minivans look like they've been hit by nuclear bombs? All right? I got fossilized Chick-fil-A french fries on the floor of my minivan. They're not coming out, right? It is an ordeal to get kids out of the house. Matching, forget matching socks. Any socks will do. One left foot, one right foot in the van, seat buckled. Five minutes down the road, I got to use the potty. It's a, Hercu a Herculean effort to get children out of the house. And yet, 
or a group of people to say, but to have my children in the presence of Jesus so that they can see him, so that they can hear him, so that my children can meet him. It's worth it. This is the selfless heart of a parent. Anyone understand their heart? Anyone understand their logic here? Man, that Jesus might touch our children. What greater desire do we have as parents than to see Jesus meet our kids? To see our kids come in contact with him. Lord, that our children would know and follow Jesus. Amen? Amen. And so they get the kids in the car. We're going to meet Jesus. And their dreams for an encounter with Jesus are short-lived. Their hope for this moment with Jesus is short-circuited because out at the edge of the crowd here, the disciples stiff-arm them. The disciples play keep away, but with the kids. And it says not only do they bar their entry, not only do they keep the children from coming near, it says that they rebuked them, meaning they, they scolded them for even attempting to bring children here. They're not just keeping them away. They're looking at them with disdain, going, how could you possibly think this was a good idea? Are you serious? Like, do you know what we're doing here? And they rebuke, they scold the parents for allowing, for thinking that they can allow children near. Now pause, okay, because I know how easy it is for us to start booing, right? We know they're boo, disciples, right? And we demonize them and we think, what were they thinking? But can we be real for a moment? Can you kind of understand where they're coming from? Can we at least for a moment try to understand their logic, right? They understand that what Jesus is doing here is of the utmost importance. They understand that they are working on eternally significant things here. Friends, they are dealing with the Son of God. And so their knee-jerk reaction says that to take time out of the schedule to welcome in children, to allow these awkward, messy humans into the fray, that is just a little bit too lowly. No offense, parents, but, but Jesus is busy with truly important things here. And so why would we interrupt him for children? So you imagine Peter going, guys, hey, man, I don't, no offense, but listen, we're changing the world, not changing diapers. So I don't know how you think this is a good idea, right? This is of the utmost importance. So you can understand where they're coming from. They've concluded that Jesus and the kingdom are too important for children. And so you see, on the one hand, they're, they're right. This is of the utmost importance. But friends, there is a difference between the highest importance and haughty, okay? There's a difference between utmost importance and too important for lowly things, for things that are unimpressive. And what we're learning today is that the kingdom is of the highest importance, but never haughty. And so Jesus is about to show us he doesn't look down on the messy. He doesn't look down on the time-consuming and the unimpressive. And every messy person said, amen, right? No, 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 the kingdom isn't only for the presentable. He's not looking down on everyone else. This is approachable. The kingdom is accessible to all, no matter what your background, even children. 
And so we're given a glimpse of his emotional reaction, and it says that he was indignant. He sees his disciples stiff-arming people and escorting people away. He sees security being called to usher the parents away, and he has this feeling of annoyance that borders on anger. And his reaction makes it clear. That's not how we do things here. That's not how it works in the kingdom. Your reaction, disciples, is not fitting for kingdom culture. That may be how you grew up. That may be how you do things in your family. That may be your societal norms in your community. But in the kingdom, that's not how we're going to do things. Children are welcome. Children are welcome. The disciples are the ones under the microscope right now, right? So we're safe, right? We're like, I don't want to be those guys. They're under the microscope, right? The text is revealing their logic. But let's allow it for a moment to challenge our own. Do we see children as a distraction from the main thing, right? Our kids, something that we tolerate while we do what really matters, right? And so we joke, right? Don't we have these jokes, right? I love my kids, but, uh, right? Come on, right? We joke and we, and we, and we make light of it. But, but in all seriousness, this text is challenging us on something as practical, on something as real life and basic as our attitude toward children. Do we see children as lowly and bothersome distractions when compared to the things that really matter. Let me give you a little little case study. If you were in charge of Jesus Planner, okay, (laughs) good luck, right? If you were his executive assistant and you had to schedule, and you go, man, he is packed, I need you to cut something. How many of us would not even think twice about saying, you know, 12 to 12.30, blessing the children? Yeah, that's the first to go. I just wonder if he would become indignant at our logic. And so Jesus is saying, that's not how we do things in the kingdom. And so welcome to East Point Church. That's not how we do things here either, right? We love kids. We are passing on the faith. We have chosen to intentionally reject the mentality that says children are to be seen and not heard. You know why? Because when you say children are to be seen and not heard, it's only a few years later that you turn around and children are neither seen nor heard. And we look around the church going, what happened? Where'd they go? We're ready for them now. And they've gone after other things that are hearing and seeing them. The kingdom is of the highest importance, but never haughty. We want our children to know that they are welcome here. We want our children to love Jesus and love being with his family. And so, yeah, it's slower. It's inefficient. It's messy. Welcome to the family. All right? That's how it works in the kingdom. That's why we as adults, as mature believers, we are setting aside our preferences for the next generation. How many of us have ever said, well, this is not my kind of music. Well, I don't, this is not my kind of environment. Or I, we didn't do it like this when I was a kid and we didn't sing it like this. What if your grandkids liked it? What if it was the difference between your grandkids coming in and feeling welcome? What if it was the difference between your children coming close enough to hear the gospel? We're doing it for them. Let the children come to me. I'm doing it for them. That's how it works in the kingdom. That's how it works in our family. And so the disciples are in class today, right? Their knee-jerk reaction is to stop these parents at the door. But here's what Jesus wants to do this Mother's Day. 
He wants to teach us not just how to respond to children. He wants to teach us how to respond like children. He's not just calling the children to come, friends. This passage is a call for you and I to come. And that's what we see in the next verse here, verse 14. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Pause there. The kingdom of God requires the posture of a child. The kingdom of God requires the posture of a child. You see, he tells the disciples, he says, hey, let the children through. Let them in. Hey, stop bothering the parents. Let them come to me. Don't hinder them. I want them here. I want them participating in these happenings for. He gives a reason. He he goes, "I, I want the kids here. I want them seeing this for. Listen to his rationale. It's not because Jesus was a kid's guy. Like that was his unique personality, which you may or may not have. And some people like kids and some people don't. No, that's not why. He doesn't say, let the kids in for, this will be a great photo shoot. Come on, we'll kiss some babies, put it on the kingdom Instagram, this will be a great op. doesn't really mean anything, but it'll be really good for publicity. No, no, no. He says, let the children in for, there is something inherent in children that reminds us of how this whole kingdom things work. Let the kids in, for there is something inherent in children that is close to the heart of God. There is something inherent in our children that teach us how to respond to the kingdom. And so he says, don't keep them away, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. The kingdom of God belongs to those who come and receive it like a child. That just got deep. Jesus, we just went from talking about the child care plan to like, whoa, the kingdom. What is the kingdom? Why did you just switch the topic? Why are we talking about the kingdom? Friends, this is the heart of Jesus' whole message. I know that we don't live in a world of kings anymore. How many of you were born in the wrong era? Anybody would have been better in the 1700s? Come on, just me? Until you think of showers and you're like, no, no, I'm good, I'm good. But you just, you watch these movies, right? Lord of the Rings and Kings, and you're like, I want it to be in the, in the days of valor. So go back with me for a moment to the days of kings, right? And this is the kingdom of, it's France. It says France. <laughs> you guys, Geography 101, this is the kingdom of France. And you see, the kingdom of France is marked by boundaries. It has a border. This is their turf. This is the space over which the king of France rules and reigns. If you're not in France, then you're not in the realm of his rule. If you're out of his kingdom, then you're no longer under the domain of his influence and authority. This is the kingdom of France. Fast learners. You see, Jesus comes and he says, that's the kingdom of France, but there's, there's also another kingdom. There's a kingdom of God. There is, a, there is a place over which God rules and reigns. There is a place where that is God's turf. And Jesus, the king of that kingdom, says that the kingdom has arrived. 
And so there are people in Jesus' day who they start unscrolling maps and they go, where is it? Where's the kingdom? Can you point it out on the map? Is it to the north? Is it to the south? Is it to the east? Is it to the west? Where's the kingdom? Are, are we overtaking Rome? Are we going south to Egypt? Where's the kingdom, Jesus? And Jesus tells us it's a kingdom without walls. You don't need a passport to get there. As a matter of fact, there is no physical entrance. The king of God's kingdom is not sitting on a throne in some capital city. You see, the turf of the kingdom is every heart over which Jesus Christ rules and reigns. The turf of the kingdom is the human heart that has surrendered and said, King Jesus rules here. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is among us. And so there it is. You see it? There's the kingdom. Oh, there it is again. There's the kingdom. King Jesus rules. There it is again. It's the kingdom. There it is. Look around, friends. There it is. The kingdom of God is among you. The human heart is his turf. Every heart over which Jesus Christ rules and reigns and says, mine is the kingdom. This is the heart of Jesus' message. He has come announcing the kingdom of God. And here's the good news. Every single one of us, even though that we've contributed to the kingdom of this world, even though we have all contributed to the brokenness of this world in countless ways with countless sins, the king still comes and invites us into his kingdom. That's the good news. The king has come and he says, hey, even though you deserve punishment, I am coming toward you with a posture of grace and mercy. This is humanity's second chance. Come into the kingdom, leave your life behind and follow the king and experience new life and experience a new record and a new heart and new power to overcome your addictions to sin. Come and experience a new family. Come and live life the way that you were designed to live it in relationship with King Jesus. He says the kingdom is here, and he invites us to receive it. And so the question remains, Mommy, Mommy, how do I enter the kingdom? How do I respond to the invitation? And Jesus, right here in this group, with the disciples around him and the parents and the children, he points to the kids and he says, let the children come to me, for you must receive the kingdom of God like a child. Whoever does not receive the kingdom like a child will not enter it. The kingdom of God requires the posture of a child. That's how you enter it. Anybody in this room run? Anybody enjoy running? Take away enjoy. Anybody run? Okay, good, good. There's running. And then there's childlike running. You know what I'm talking about? So when I run, when your boy runs, I'm running composed. You should see me, right? Out of a magazine. Composed, strong, in control, right? I'm pacing myself because I know how far I want to go. And so I'm going to engage in this cool running that makes sure I go the distance, right? How many of you see me out there? You're like, oh, I know what you're talking about, Sam. Now that you say it, it is really cool, right? Run, right? That's adult running, right? Have you ever seen a child run? Awkward, right? Have you ever seen children run? It's not this controlled, like, you know, 
Yes, Father, I'm coming toward you. They only know one speed. What is it? Go, right? You watch a child run, and it's not pretty, right? And you're just like, you you ever just find yourself holding your breath? Because you're like, are they even going to make it, right? It's just like, they're going to fall at any moment because you realize as they're running, I've never realized this until you watch a kid run, their heads are too big for their bodies. (laughs) You ever notice that? And it's just like, is that anatomically sound? What is happening? You know, they're just, they're running, and they just have one speed, and they run with reckless abandon. There's running, and then there's childlike running. If I say in my house, children, I've made cookies, do they run, or do they childlike run, all right? My kids don't respond. They don't go, you know what, brothers, let's think about this. There's nothing free in this world. This must be a trap. They don't sit there with cynicism in their hearts and go, hmm, what are they trying to do to us with cookies? You know, and they, they just kind of like sideways, briskly step forward, suspicious. No, no, no. They run, cookie, and they run with reckless abandon, knowing with full confidence that there is nothing but goodness awaiting them on the other side of that invitation. They just run. We go to Idlewild Park a lot down the street, you know, and my youngest son, you know, when he gets hurt, Boom, he hits it. And why does he fall? Because he's childlike running and it's dangerous. But he falls and he scrapes his knees. And the first thing he does when he pops up, he looks for dad. And he finds me. And what does he do? He runs to me the whole way with his arms up. And I'm sitting there going, buddy, if you wanted to get here faster, that's not an efficient form of running. You'd get here way quicker if you just, you know, right, arms at your side, chest out, chin down. He's just running to me, dad. And he runs into my arms with no fear of embarrassing rejection, doesn't even think twice about being vulnerable, he's not guarded, he's not hesitant. What are you trying to win from me with your comfort right now, Father? No, he runs into my arms knowing that there is nothing to be had in my arms but comfort, affection, and help. He just runs to Dad. If you were to take out one of those little stethoscopes and tap to his heart, you know what you would hear his thoughts saying? Can you hear it? Can you hear his thought? You, he would be saying, I need my father. My father is there. He has what I need, so I will run. My father is there. He has what I need, so I will run. How many of you hold babies? And they sit there, and you hold them right here, right? And they fall asleep. And you're like, shh. You start doing this move, right? Doing, I remember, I remember where I was when I was talking to somebody and I was doing this. And they go, what are you doing? And I was like, nothing. <laughs> you can't hear the music? Was that? Yeah, you missed it, right? It's just the baby. And he falls asleep with complete trust, right? Baby's not sitting there going, don't drop me, right? Baby's not sleeping with one eye open like, are you sure about Complete trust. And Jesus is sitting here pointing to the children. And he says, the only appropriate response to my invitation, the only appropriate approach to the kingdom is to come running with childlike running in faith. We run to the Father with utmost trust, with hearts full of faith that if you were to tap them would say, my Father is there. He has what I need, so I will run. My father is there. He has what I need, so I will run. We hear Jesus calling and we say, my father is there. He has what I need, so I will run. And we come to him 
this is the only way to enter the kingdom. Like a child. And so Jesus says, he goes, hey, let the children in. Don't keep them out. Surround yourselves with children. Why? Because they have a role to play in our faith family. Did you know that? Every single one of our kids serves. May not be on a ministry team, but here's the role that they serve. They are little illustrations of how God wants us to come to him. Every single child has a job. Every single child plays a role in our faith family. Every time you see a kid run, I'm talking ugly run, into the arms of a parent, it's God saying to us, that's what faith looks like. I'll catch you. Every time we see children running around carefree without the least bit of concern or anxiety about what they're going to eat or what they're going to wear, that's God saying to us, that's what peace looks like. I'll take care of you. Every time you see a hurt child rush to their parents to be comforted, God is saying to us, that's what trust looks like. Come to me in your pain, and I will comfort you. Every time you see a child get in a car, fully trusting their parents, God is saying to us, that's what the absence of cynicism looks like. I'll guide you. I will take you where you need to be. Get in the car. The presence of children remind us what this is all about. You see, children, they don't simply keep us young and cool, which they do. Come on now, right? Children don't just keep us young at heart. They keep our faith childlike. Children remind us that the key to kingdom access is childlikeness. The key to kingdom access is childlikeness. And so he says, let the children in. Let the children in. And so what happens? He took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. So the disciples are here. Jesus, let them in. They go, misunderstanding. You know, they step aside and they let the kids through. And how do you think the kids approach Jesus? What's up, J-Man? No, no, no. They... They ran. And so you just imagine, I, I picture these kids running just like your kids and my kids, and they run to Jesus because kids love Jesus. And they run, and they jump into his arms, and he takes them up, and he blesses them, and he hugs them, and he prays for them. And in this moment, as he's holding them, it's not about the kids. In this moment, as he's embracing the children, it's not about the children. He's showing you what it looks like every time somebody runs to him. In that moment, he's showing us that those who run in faith are received in love. In this moment, as he's embracing those kids, those kids it's like my kid where he'll, he'll go, Daddy, catch me, and he'll jump from like way farther than he should jump, right? And he has more trust in me than me sometimes. But he goes, man, when people rush headlong into the presence of Jesus, when people run after him knowing that he'll catch them, he shows us that those who run in faith are received in love. You will not be disappointed. Whether it's your first time turning to Jesus or you've been a believer for years, the invitation is the same. Turn from your sin. Run to Jesus in faith. And every time, he will welcome you in grace and mercy. How do you enter the kingdom? 
You see, we thought this passage was just about telling the children to come. But we see here it's an illustration of his bigger message, church. This is a call for you and me to come. His invitation is clear. The invitation is there. He invites us into the kingdom. He calls you to come, sit at the table in God's family, come and experience life with Jesus. The only question is how will you respond? Because the key to kingdom access is childlikeness. You're hearing an invitation this morning. For many of you, you're being reminded of the daily invitation. Will you approach this invitation with a cool, calculated, cordial interest? Or will you run like a child? Will you let faith bubble up in your heart? Will you stop allowing the pain and the hurt of yesterday to suppress the hope and joy that you feel rising up at this invitation? If you hear the Spirit of God calling you to come, don't ignore him. Break out in a childlike run. Respond in childlike faith. And may we say together, my Father is there. He has what I need, so I will run. The Father is there. He has what we need. So may we run to him. Friends, I want to pray. But I want to take a moment and just pray specifically for those of you in this room, for those of you who are here saying, Sam, I want to run to the Father. I want to receive the kingdom of God. I want to live for King Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're at a point in your life where you say, I am done trying to call the shots for my own life. I am done trying to live for the kingdom of me. I don't want to sit on the throne of my own heart anymore. I want King Jesus to reign. And you're here and you say, Sam, please pray for me. I want to pray for you. I'm going to include you in this prayer, and I'm going to invite you, friends, to not suppress it. Respond in faith. We have gifts in the lobby. We have this little resource for those of you who are saying, where do I start? Where do I begin? We want to give you a little gift there. We'll give you that information. And just join the family. Join the journey. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, God. We love you that in this little episode with children, you have packed it full of so much meaning and you call us to come. And so, Lord, I pray right now for our friends who perhaps for the first time in their lives, they, they see it, they get it, and they believe you. For those who are responding in faith, for those who in their own words are praying, Jesus, I want to come to you. Would you honor that faith, Lord? Would you hear their prayer and would you save them? Lord, fill them with your Holy Spirit. Baptize them into the family of God by your Spirit and grow them, Lord. Begin them on a journey of Christ-likeness. Lord, I just have to say thank you. I think of all the things we've done in our lives that make us undeserving, all the mistakes, all the pride, all the sin, Father, and yet you love us. God, what is that about? So thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. May we never be too old. May we never be too sophisticated to run into your arms for our daily dose of grace and mercy. We love you, Lord. We need you. Be magnified in our lives and reign as King Jesus. We pray this in his name.
And the church said, Amen. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.